0: I really think we deserve honest politics and politicians who talk to us about the evidence and tell us the truth. That's
1: to speak to the Hello and welcome to Switchboard, Basti's flagship podcast. I'm Belle George and I'm joined today by Julia Simons. Last year, she made national headlines after confronting Boris Johnson with a series of questions about the NHS and climate change when he visited Adam Brooks during his campaign to become Prime Minister, a position he later won. Mr Johnson was ushered away by security guards, failing to answer any of Julia's questions. After Mr Johnson was driven away, Julia was approached by some journalists who filmed her speaking about the NHS. The video was picked up by national media and resulted in Julia amassing a a large Twitter following, which she has said she wishes to use as a platform to hold power to account and to advocate for evidence-based politics. Thanks for joining me today on Switchboard, Julia.
0: Thanks for having me.
1: It's great to have you here. I wanted to start by just asking you about an average day in Adam Brooks. What do you get up to?
0: So as a clinical medical student, it's very different to being a first or second year stuck in lecture theatres and you're on different rotations so at the moment i'm on my surgical rotation so that involves for example this morning going on the ward round seeing surgical patients who have had operations but are still in hospital but also having the opportunity to go into the theatres and watch surgery and understand a little bit about how that works
1: awesome and are you enjoying surgical or what's been your favorite so far
0: I have this awful flaw which every single specialty I do I think yeah this is the best but I am particularly enjoying my current placement. My favourite thing overall is paediatrics so children but surgery there's, there's a lot to see and it's very different to other parts of medicine so it's a really enjoyable placement.
1: Nice variety, it's the spice of life they exactly. say. Um, so let's go back to that day in October when Boris Johnson was visiting Adam Brooks. You called this visit a PR stunt, What made you say, what made you say that?
0: So I was actually leaving a clinic that morning, an endocrine clinic, and a quite senior consultant walked past me and came up to the reception and said, I can't believe Boris Johnson's here. If I knew I would have gone to biff him myself. Their words, I won't say who. And I really sensed this like, quite serious like, frustration from this se- senior consultant that no one in the hospital knew that he was going to come that day. And I walked outside of the clinic, which happened to be the building that he was in. And there was a small gathering of people who had all heard by word of mouth only in that moment that he was coming. And there were a number of senior staff who were all quite frustrated by this idea that he had come and there had been no kind of warning. Because the reality of the last 10 years of the NHS has been a systematic underfunding and... While the NHS is often used as a political football, it's very hard to convince people on the front line that your lies are truths when they can see the way services are affected. So I guess in a moment of craziness and adrenaline, the excitement that maybe he was going to come down, I suddenly thought, oh, you know, well, this is a good chance to ask him some questions, perhaps against my own better judgment. And that's why I went and asked him some questions.
1: Following you asking those questions, you've said that you had... At that point, about 20 followers on Twitter. And now when I looked you up, you had over 19,000. What's it been like to gain such a massive platform in such a short period of time?
0: At first, it was a little bit overwhelming because there's obviously a question about how is this going to affect your future career? I mean, if you type into Google angry medical student, I come up and that's definitely not the best way to approach an employer but on the other hand like i see it as a good opportunity i feel slightly guilty i have a lot of friends who've used twitter for a long time and say really poignant important things and to be honest i'm just a pretty average medical student and i don't have that many insightful things to say but equally it's a good chance to use it and i'm still kind of learning how to use twitter sometimes my tweets are meant to be funny and they fall flat on their face and other times i write things that i think are like quite inane and they get loads of retweets and i can't really work it out but there are lots of things that we need to be asking our government questions about at the moment and if i can do my little bit online as a keyboard warrior i'll take it
1: no definitely um Well, I saw that you once tweeted that as a doctor, you wouldn't tell a patient that you know their diagnosis, that you have all the solutions to improve their life, and that you've chosen to continue making their life worse. And you've said that this is exactly what we as humans are doing to the planet. So can I ask how you see this relationship between the climate crisis and the healthcare crisis?
0: So in terms of my personal understanding of the climate crisis, obviously I've been studying a science-based subject at Cambridge for... Well, nearly six years. I've been here a while. And I was really shocked last summer to suddenly come to a realisation about the future that I've always understood was going to be ours is kind of a myth and not true. And the training that we receive as doctors or as future doctors is training that should be applied to our current environment. And there's a reality that we're going to see in our lifetimes some very serious changes if we don't change our current course of action. I think David Attenborough put this in such an odd way in a recent Channel 4 interview where he said something along the lines of, children today won't be able to choose what they eat in the future. And it seems like a really simple, basic thing, but that's a really big question. What does that mean when you have multi bread basket failure and when people aren't able to access basic things like food, we can see in our current political environment how much that can be destabilized by small events. How are we as a society gonna cope with huge environmental change? And within the healthcare system, there are kind of two aspects to this because you've got the direct health impacts of climate change and there's a horrible reality in, climate change, which is that those who are least responsible are going to be most affected. So within the UK, we won't see these horrific effects in the same way that people in the Global South will, but we will still see increased death rates due to direct heat effects. We will see um, elderly um, flooding, so the recent Yorkshire floods is a good example of this. The ambulance bays were actually flooded, so they couldn't use ambulances. Those kind of infrastructure questions are very much there. Um, and then you've also got this broader question of, you know, the healthcare system is very reliant on societal stability and even post 2008 financial crash, the NHS has seen a decline in investment and that really directly affects patient care. Our global economy, as Mark Kearney, the ex-governor of the Bank of England, clearly states, will be directly affected by the climate crisis. How will that allow us to produce, to provide healthcare? How will global procurement chains which are so fundamental for all the things that we use in surgery and the medications patients use how will those things continue to exist if we completely failed to act on climate change which is exactly what we're doing now despite governments trying to lie to you and telling you they're working it out they're most certainly not
1: so what what would you like to see then as you are coming to the start of your medical career what is it that you want to see changed to our NHS and to broader structural social systems more generally?
0: So there's this really exciting thing that actually happened um, this weekend and the NHS has announced that they want to be the first carbon zero healthcare system. Oh, amazing. And that's a really positive step about recognizing, for example, um, healthcare contributes 5.6% of emissions in the UK. And that's great because we do need to be looking at every single sector, but a lot of people will look at the NHS in its current state, and we probably should describe it as a crisis because that's what the British Medical Association says, and think, well, is that really where we should be focusing our efforts? And I say, Yes, but we also need to focus our efforts more broadly. So when you have the health secretary Matt Hancock saying on national radio that flying has already been decarbonized and we don't need to stop flying, you need to ask some serious questions about why our politicians are lying in the face of very clear evidence. and. In the next five years, I predict or I assume we're going to see a huge pushback against scientific consensus on climate change. There are some very concerning links, particularly with right wing organisations such as Turning Point and the Global Warming Policy Forum, which is one of the most misleadingly named organisations that exist, that will all be pushing back against the necessity for radical system change. And radical system change can take many many forms. And I don't think I have the knowledge to advocate for a particular form of that. But in our current political system, we see a very partisan divide between the left engaging with the reality of climate science, and the right, for example, investing, continuing to invest in oil and fossil fuels, we need to keep those things in the ground if our futures are going to have any reason to save for a pension.
1: And I also wanted to ask how you feel about the narratives that climate change needs to be resolved or mediated by individual actions versus the structural change you're speaking about. Does that irritate you?
0: So I mean there are both individual and structural changes that need to happen but one of the things has really struck me when learning more about the climate crisis particularly through a health lens is that a lot of the things that we can do on a structural level will make people's lives a lot better as well as improving the climate crisis and I worry that these narratives about your own sacrifices really detract from the fact that, from a health perspective, this is a great opportunity to improve population health. We currently in Cambridge see over, I think it's 170 excess deaths a year due to pollution. That's one in seven deaths worldwide are premature due to air pollution. These are huge, huge effects of our current way of living we think about the the, the like the obesity epidemic the loneliness epidemic our loss of connection with nature all of these things really affect human well-being and while individual choices right now given the complete failure of political leadership on this issue are super important we should also be pushing in a positive light for how much better things can be if we change them
1: I think that's a nice positive note to end on. Um, I have one final question for you, which is to ask you if Boris Johnson turned up again tomorrow at Adam Brooks, what would you say to him this time around?
0: I think the reality is my questions would be quite similar. I really think we deserve honest politics and politicians who talk to us about the evidence and tell us the truth. The NHS election campaign has been built on lies so obvious they are laughable. The idea they're going to build 40 new hospitals with less than half of the funding needed to repair the backlog of repairs they themselves created. These imaginary 6,000 nurses, these imaginary, not 6,000 nurses, 50,000 nurses. I mean, all of these things are so absurd. So I probably would be a little bit more considered in my approach but the reality of the questions would be the same I'd want to confront him in a way that I think our current journalists are failing to and allowing these politicians to say things that are clearly untrue and go unchallenged for example Matt Hancock on flying.
1: Oh thank you Julia and that's all we've got time for but thank you everyone for joining us this week on this on this episode on the NHS and climate change. You can download this episode from wherever platform you get your podcast from. Make sure to subscribe and get updates on our future episode. This has been Belle George and Julia Simmons on Switchboard. Thank you for listening and tune in for our next episode where we speak to several people in Cambridge about a popular trend of going vegan for the month of January. Thank you, Julia.
0: Thank you. Goodbye. Bye.